recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, the podcast with your host Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. Yeah. You wee fads are listening to episode 260, the Oscar special. Right, hello and welcome to the episode. Yes, it is me, your host, Stuart Sutherland, and joining me across the interwebs is Magic Mike Christie. Mm. And tonight we will be talking all about the Oscars. We're recording this in a special two-parter. The first part, obviously, we're going to be discussing our predictions for the show, uh, for the awards. So we're recording this on the 22nd of April, the Thursday before the awards ceremony. And second half of the show will be recorded after the awards have taken place. And we'll be discussing our reactions to our predictions and either how terribly wrong we've got on it or if we were on the money. Yes, will we be as surprised as what we were last year? Because obviously, you know, yeah. with Bong and Parasite getting fucking, you know, the big, the big awards that in the shock at everybody, I suppose. Exactly. I was convinced he couldn't get all of it. I was like, he can't get best picture and director. It has to be one or another. Sam Mendes in 1917 has to get something. But no. Mm. It was one of those fucking very special occasions where yeah. it just fucking blew our minds and expectations. Mm-hmm. But so, the, because of the whole everything that's went on this past year it feels a bit different it doesn't feel as like triumphantly there isn't fucking major like Hollywood blockbusters that are fucking up for like the, in the big hitters and all that mm-hmm. whereas I think next year's Oscars will probably be fucking like it'll be stacked yeah I feel like they're going to have a lot to make up for because this this year's is really like right Okay, so uh, where do we start? Do we want to just jump right into best uh, motion picture of the year? Ah, yeah, let's go with that one. Okay, so nominated we have Judas and the Black Messiah from uh, Shaka King, Mank from, um, no, it doesn't outright mention uh, Fincher. Ah, yeah, I noticed that there. It's got um, Kian Schaffin, Eric Roth, Douglas Urbinski. So that yeah. might be your producers. Uh, then obviously Minari with Christina O, oh, Nomadland with Francis McDormand, Peter Spears, Molly Asher, Dan Janvey and Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Promising Young Woman, Ben Browning, Ashley Fox, Emerald Fennell and Josie McNamara. Sound of Metal with Bert Hamlink, uh, Sasha Ben Harouche. Uh, the Father, David Parafit, Jean Louis Levy, and Philippe uh, Carasazon. Yeah, yeah, I apologise to all cunt whose names I get wrong. Unless you're cried, fucking John Mackay, I can't see your name. And uh, for the trial of Chicago 7, you've got Mark Platt and Stuart M. Besser. 
Yeah, again, because obviously it's that Aaron Sorkin that directed it and all that. So. Yeah. <clears throat> it's weird when you go on the actual Oscars because that's exactly the same thing that I'm getting on the Oscars website. Yeah. yeah, so it's really... I'd imagine these people will all have sort of parts to play in creating the film, whether it's like producers or... Well, obviously, some of them do credit the directors. Now, um, the sort of the track history... Like the the best picture winners we've had so far. Let's see. When you had our uh, BAFTAs, the best picture award went to uh, Nomad Land. Mm. And I swear it also got the Golden Globe and possibly the SAG Award as well. So. That's why you well that is I, it normally. I, I, you kinda really. see the trajectory when is it right? Okay, Nomad Land is winning several of the big awards, there's a very good chance the same will happen. And it's always normally kind of the same circle of people voting these awards, isn't it? Yeah. I... So there's a good chance Nomad Land can win it. If this is the trajectory of the the awards that's won so far, but uh, Mike, in amongst those films on that list, which would you like to see win? Um, I mean, I've only seen one, two. I've only seen four of the ones that nobody. The only ones that I've not seen is The Father, Mank, Minari, and Nomadland. Okay, and also the, the, like the early. One that I seen the first with the trailer of Chicago Seven back when it fucking got shown on Netflix at the end of like last year, and I was I, I really really enjoyed it obviously, and then yeah. and then I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, and like I'm a massive fucking Lakeith Stanfield fan and all that, and yeah yeah films like that, and as well if you watch trailer of Chicago Seven, they bring up Fred Hampton and all that, and mm-hmm. everything that goes on in Judas, they talk about it happened in the news and the Aye, they're linked in history. Yeah, aye. And then I, I seen promising young women like when I was on like furlough and stuff, and it was good. But I, I generally, I, I generally think the one that fucking has completely fucking blew me away the most was Sound of Metal. Eh? Ah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's a strangely powerful film. It's kind of you don't know what to expect when you see it. I didn't watch trailers. I just kind of saw that poster, that black post, like black background, and it's got Riz Ahmed with his bleached hair, shirtless behind like drums. And you're just thinking, ah, okay, he's a heavy metal drummer. And yeah. that's it. And you get a completely different fucking film, like sort of after the first act has happened. But. That's, that's kind of the, the whole thing. You don't know where the film's going. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like, it deals with, you know, like, also him coming to terms and the realisation that he's going to, like, kind of losing his hearing and all that. And it is fucking, like, it does give that sense of, like, absolute fucking fear. Yeah. Because it's such a fundamental fucking part of your everyday fucking life and all that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like obviously, I think it's amazing how 
how much he's signed to get by on a daily basis. Eh? Aye, totally. And the fact that he's a, he's a drummer in a band that he needs, he needs his hearing for. Kid went and fucking went to QN and all that. Eh? And you, exactly. You see him at first, he tries to rub it off, saying, "Oh, it's fine, kid. Like you can cue me in. I'll do this and I'll do that." And kind mm-hmm. of like when he gets taken to this uh, community that's got is it that Paul Racy? His name is the guy that runs yeah. it. Yeah, aye. And he kind of almost like rejects the idea at first, and then he comes around. Aye. Uh, and that's like that's clearly... all the sign language and everything. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's definitely one of these films that was like more powerful than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, and it's... like what I said when I when I texted you last week, I was fully waiting for like the bleakest, fucking, fucking darkest, fucking ending. Aye, and I, and also you know a lot of it kind of surprised me obviously because <laughs> they kind of formed you know like. Kind of thought maybe he would just get fed up and he would probably fucking like commit suicide or whatever. Stick a gun in his ear. Uh, because obviously Fuck he talked about him being like a like a past addict and he'd probably like overdose or whatever. Eh? Aye, exactly. Yeah. Relapse through this new set of circumstances. Yeah. Aye, it was definitely a film that really surprised me. And I um, mostly my initial like, Oscar challenge when they done the the full reveal of what everything was nominated Lairbox shared a list and i think it featured all 58 films that were oscar nominated and i was like oh fuck it yes that's what i've got to do i should watch these like 58 films and i think i've made it as far as maybe 12 15 and yeah not for trying i i'd done my usual i made sure i could watch it at least all of the best picture nominees so and i, I finished that last night with uh, watching the father mm. but uh, i'll, I'll focus no, on the... um, i've no seen and i've no really can delved into anything else totally. like what's that actual like plot surrounding the father um it's more or less sort of like the story of like a father and daughter You've got Anthony Hopkins, who is obviously in some sort of early stages of, uh, well, is in the middle of, like, dementia. And Olivia Coleman plays his daughter, and she's obviously trying to find the best care for her father. So he's living with her. But the film's almost kind of from his perspective. So the setting and the cast keeps changing. He's and there's one moment Olivia Coleman's talking about moving to Paris with her boyfriend. The next day, she's like, I've never spoken about Paris. I'm happily married. What do you mean a boyfriend? I've never left my man. And the the house he stays in, whilst it looks like it never changes. So like every shot, there's something that's a little bit different. And it goes from being his apartment to being his daughter's apartment to him being in a hospital. But all the corridors are identical. There's the same color scheme throughout. And it's just giving you this impression of, wait, it's, it's really almost from his perspective of like someone that must, must have like dementia. And you're just uh, thinking, wait, no, this scene's happened already. Scenes get repeated, but they're in different places or the it's the same dialogue, but it's different characters. And you're all kind of focused on Anthony Hopkins where he's trying to, 
I think, no, this has happened. No, I've, we've spoke about this. You are moving to Paris. And it's just one of those ones where it's probably actually the only film that is 90 minutes long. Only 90 minutes? Yeah, it's like, oof, like, I think one hour 36. And I was like, holy shit. Okay, let's just dive into it. We, we finished watching Scream. We're going to go for this now. And it was like, yeah, 90 minutes. And I was an absolute fucking mess by the end of it. <laughs> like, I might actually fucking, I might give that a little fucking, depending well, also how, like, how long fucking work goes this weekend, I might try and get it before Sunday. Mm-hmm. But if not, I'll try and catch it next week on my days up. Aye. To be honest, my wholehearted review of the film is don't watch it. No one should see this film. And it's like, that sounds like the opposite. But it's like, oh, it's the saddest fucking film I have ever seen. Like, literally, fucking my eyes were red from just quietly crying. The last... Yeah, I had a yeah, and deservedly so at times, but this one, I was so sad and angry and just... Did it, did it oh. transport you back to when Shawn Michaels uh, retired Ric Flair? <laughs> I, but, like, Nibdi was kicking uh, Anthony Hopkins in the pus in this, though. Uh. But, oh, honestly, I could kind of see why, obviously, later we'll talk about best actor, but why Anthony's getting all of the awards. Like, there's no fucking hesitation on why he's getting all this. But, uh, but yeah, I've I've seen them all. I can see why Nomadland's getting a lot of attention as well. Mm. It's one of these strange films where I think the, the, possibly the only actor in the film is Francis McDormand. The rest are actual people. Mm. Just people. People that live in their vans, like the sort of like trailer park, or like people that live in caravan sites and uh, campsites. Yeah. And she kind of just goes from town to town from where the work is. Like, I think this film was getting some backlash because it actually showed working in Amazon in a positive light. Oh. Yeah, like she was doing work for Amazon on the side, like just packing boxes having a laugh at all the colleagues and just having a grand old time and it's just getting slightly saying that's not what it's like in Amazon. This is a false portrayal. Aye. So the fucking director's it's coming, coming it's under fire. Coming on to, it's coming on to Disney this month, eh? Like it this is. Week. Yes, aye. Very soon. I might, I might get a whirl. Uh, that's it. Frances McDormand is like just always one of those great actresses where you can kind of watch her do anything. Uh, Even if it is, like, shitting in a bucket. Uh, yes, I can confirm that does happen in the film. She lives in a van, what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> like, every time I fucking, like, every time whenever I see Francis McDormand or, I, or whenever I hear her get mentioned, whenever I think about her, I always just see her with that bandana that she's got on and uh, three billboards. Yeah. I uh, cutting a bit in her overalls. But like you forget that like, she's in films like fucking like, like I generally forgot that I generally forgot she was in fucking Dark Man with Liam Neeson back in the nineties and all that. Ah uh, well, 
that's it. We kind of always just associate her with either a Coen Brothers film, um, Three Billboards, and yeah, I was going to say Burn After Reading, but that's a fucking Coen film as well. Aye, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know her that she had the fucking S side bite with a dildo attached to it when she was trying to lure fucking George Clooney back to the house. Jesus Christ, I haven't, I don't remember that part. Um, I haven't seen it in years. You know, the last time I watched Burn After Reading, I rented it off of fucking Virgin Media. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I was just fucking desperate to watch it. I always remember, like, the two key scenes I always remember is Brad Pitt getting shot in the face with fucking George Clooney when he's hiding in the closet. Yep. And fucking John Malkovich fucking hacking up the fucking FBI guys outside the house with the whole conspiracy thing. Nah, I didn't remember that bit. I need to revisit that. Okay, so uh, what's your prediction for for Sunday? What film is going to get the Oscar? Um, I I think Sound of Metal might get it. Right. So that's if you had money to put down on Best Picture, I, it would be yeah, Sound of Metal. Like yeah, like, like luck, thankfully, I won't need money in the until I get paid in that seat because I probably would have <laughs> I had a wee punt on there, and I bet him oh, that. I think that sounded metal. Well, then again, Minari is a fucking. Yeah, what? Well, as well. I know. Would they go create two years in a row? Oh, do you remember last year? Do you remember when Parasite got everything? Remember that guy that had the full blown fucking. Oh, yeah. The, blow the fucking... it on, on, like, on stream. Yes, that that the white guy yeah. was yeah, yeah, in the yeah, background yeah. screaming about this fucking film not in English winning Best Picture. That's why you've got the foreign language category, and he was cr- yes. I think it was it aye. yes crying about saying it should have been Joker or yes aye yeah mm-hmm. aye. So that was like a wake up call for some people. Jesus, but. Uh, Minari is a fucking special, heartwarming, wholesome film as well. Yeah. And it It is kind of scooping some awards. So. And then Mank. I mean, Mank is fucking old school Hollywood. Being Aye. fucking served up to Hollywood. So it's like, does the snake eat his own tail? I mean, I'd be kind of it could just get the fucking nostalgia of... Oh, look at the industry. Look at this is Orson Wells. If, 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 if that gets it, then surely fucking Tarantino will be pissed at fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and never got it a year before because that oh, was, that was for, the di- like for the dying golden age of Hollywood at the end Aye. of the 70s. Yeah. So that's it. I've seen folk talk about uh, Mank and all that, and I've seen folk like, like rank their like David Fincher films, and people have ranked it as like to, to the bottom of the pile. Like, but but by no saying that it's a terrible film, but yeah. just saying that it's fucking it's not like, you know like, like entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like it's no like a kind of film you just switch on you're automatically fucking drawn into it. Aye, exactly. Unless you have an undying love for fucking Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yo, obviously. 
And I, I watched it with no, like, I've never seen uh, Citizen Kane. But no, obviously, it's, yeah. it's one of these ones where it's just never been readily accessible. It's on iPlayer. BBC iPlayer. Ah, I never, I never look at that one. Yeah, I was scaling through like a wee while back and I was like, should I watch this for, for somebody that, you know, like, claims that can like the love films as much as fucking ever else. Should they watch one of the most like celebrated films of the fucking can like, all time and that? And I'm like, I've not seen Casablanca. I've not seen Gone with the Wind. I did a watch Gone with the Wind for those four fucking hours. Uh, but I, I don't know if I would even watch Mank. Yeah. I hang on, like, I generally like, I, I, I fucking I love like Gary Oldman and shit, eh, but. Mm. Uh, aye, aye. It, it wasn't a chore, but it was watchable. Uh, I think one of the, like, I think if there was going to be a, a surprise, I think the biggest surprise would be a promising young woman got it. Yeah, aye, totally. Because and that is getting some recognition, and it's one yeah. of these films where it's so fucking out there, and it's kind of of like this this uh, period we're in now where women are kind of taking it back for themselves you've got female directors you've got strong female leads you've got kind of female empowering storylines yeah. and it's just stylish and fucking out there with like a, a plot that is I, I feel original and obviously just would scare the hell out of creeps yeah because like as like as a revenge film and it's mm. it's done differently and i think like obviously i watched the trailer for it after i'd watched the film and i'm kind of glad i actually watched the film going into it completely blind because had i known that that's what she kind of does through the film Aye. i didn't think it would have had can as an effect as what I can was it like, like, like the ending was really really fucking good like I was like mm. had that like what's that word like uh what's the word I keep fucking always forgetting it like so satisfactory it's mm. anyway anyway yeah. the, like the ending was good and it kind of gave you that sense of fucking can like can they're not getting away with it Aye. Like it's almost like like, like, reward, like rewarding the viewer. Yes. Totally. Because the thing is, like, obviously, like, as the film goes on, like, when I read also, when you tell me about it, I actually thought it was, it was hard, it was, like, attack, but it's not, it's a pal. Yeah. They're, they're working on it, and the fact that she systematically fucking goes through everybody that was involved in it, whether it's pals that she worked with to fucking... Aye. It's the fact that you've got fucking what's his name like uh, like guy that plays McLovin like in the first five ten minutes a long way. Oh yeah, and Brody and all that. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. It's always like the type of guy that's oh they're harmless, but then they're preying on drunk, like absolutely wrecked women, and you're just feeding them more booze, taking them back to their house, and you're like oh they are creeps. Uh, now, um, 
for me, I think it did I say already, like it will probably be Nomad Land. I would imagine, but there's part of me that thinks Mank might be a surprise or maybe an upset victory. Yeah. Now, uh, let's have a look at best performance by an actor in a leading role. So we've got Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Gary Oldman, Mank, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, and Stephen Yeun for Minari. Where the fuck is Delroy Lindo for The Five Bloods? Yeah. Oh, uh, the Five Bloods. Everybody was calling out for that. You know. I know. This, I feel like the Five Bloods got just overlooked completely. And I, I guess like when you look at like other like like people that are fucking like nominated and all that, and it's oh god, uh, and so fucking like Delroy Lindo had such a fucking powerful performance in that film. Like, his character went through so much. And yeah. after watching it, and yeah, it's got a, a lengthy running time, but holy fuck, when was the last time you seen Delroy Rindo put, like, fucking 110% into this role? Yeah. It felt, like, historic. And then it's just like, meh. And you're just thinking, well, why? And sure, everyone really deserves to be there, but, like, there's... It's just... Five, like, th- is that the cap? I mean, and, uh, yeah, and are they yeah. just make an exception. Obviously, the as best well as supporting the actor is also a bit of a joke as well. So, Aye. like, even if you like, forced them into that too, but aye, it's definitely that's the sore note of the year. Kind, there's always each year there's always kind of that one film that gets really neglected. And yeah. collectively pisses off the internet. I mean, we had it was Tony Collette years ago. Well, um, hereditary and that. But the same when it, it was when they announced the Golden Globe nominations, and people were fucking outraged that Delroy Lando didn't even get a nomination, but yet fucking James Corden got a nomination for is it Prom? That's how oh, they've done. Yeah. And it's like, come on. Yeah, it's and even if there's like some like just show us the the stats, the figures. Let's see how many people voted for what. Like, did he just miss by a ball hair? Like, yeah. But so obviously, let's see. Out of these, you've um, have you seen Marini's Black Bomb? I've noticed on Netflix. Eh? It is I. I feel like it was. I think it's ninety minutes as well. Uh, well, no, it's a, I should have no excuse for not seeing it, but it's just never. I don't know. I think this is a film about jazz. I'm not hundred uh, percent sure. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, it's famously the last role for uh, Chadwick. But God, I feel like it's one of those ones. I need to watch it to see if it's a deserved nomination, or it's just for the fact that we lost someone so young, like in their prime. Yeah. Because, hell, he even had, like, a significant role in The Five Bloods as well. Aye, because he was in Flashback. He was the, like, the 
Was he the, the, the captain or whatever? Yeah, or he was like, like the central point, the whole reason that they kind of go there. and But... Well, I, I still think it was funny, the fact that we'll sell you back to the five was that during flashback, there wasn't any fucking de-aging. Oh, yeah, it wasn't like the Irishman. It was, or... it was fucking just, you know, them pretending that it was like the 70s or whatever, or the 60s, and they were like still the same age as what they were. Or oh, they looked the same, anyway. Exactly. But obviously, fucking like, ah, do you think that they'll just give it to Chadwick because of everything that's happened? No, I think the nominations like enough. Like yeah. kind of like obviously a similar thing happened when Heath Ledger passed away, and he got best supporting actor. Uh, he got, but to be fair though, I think, I think even I, if he was still alive, I think people still would have got it because I don't think anything. I obviously that was an iconic film, and his performance yeah, so. was next level. But it is going to be, man, it's it's tight because Riz Ahmed, like, fucking made history. Like, I, I reckon if this is just, like, backpedaling for Oscars so white, but the fact that you've kind of got uh, an American Korean, then you've got, what's that, is that a Muslim and, uh, obviously, Chadwick Boseman. Like, they're just, like... The, the Oscars this year is becoming so much more culturally diverse. Yeah. And Stephen Yoon does great in Minari as well. Obviously, he plays his father that buys some farmland in America. His family's, they were all expecting like a big house, uh, but it just turns out to be like a trailer that's not got any wheels. And they're just living, it just kind of looks like a big, like those storage containers that's converted into a house. And yeah. he's just there to make a like a living. It's like growing crops, selling it to like Korean food markets. But also, it's all about a struggle. And there's these wonderful scenes where it's him and his wife sat in hospital because the the young son of the film has like heart issues. Um, so if the wee boy gets too excited, his heart kind of cuts out. Well, it doesn't cut out, but it's something to do. Like he has a hole in his heart. And obviously, with all the pressures of the farm life, and then the son's illness, and then like the grand comes to live with them, they're just this beautiful shot of them both sat silently uh, in a hospital corridor, and the camera just goes in and out of focus, like going from his face to her face. And it's one of those scenes where you're just looking, and all the acting's done through their eyes, and you're like, "Fucking hell, that's powerful!" And you could just see. Like how much what the weight is on this guy's shoulders, how he's put everything into it, and he doesn't want to give up. Give up now. His wife obviously wants to move back to Korea. They know they've got a life there, but he's obviously chasing this American dream. Yeah, and also if I can big up for a guy that was like, "It's a Glenn from The Walking Dead." That's probably as far as he'll go. Now the cunt's Oscar nominated for Best Actor. It's still really a film that kind of like, like kind of interests me, you know, like yeah. Uh, well, that's I think I, the only olive branch I kind of offered to you with that was Will Patton is in it and he's got a great role as just kind of this kooky uh, religious neighbor 
that's desperate to help the family out. All right. Any, any chance he's got on his fucking blessing everyone. Ah, right, okay. But, I mean, if I had to give the Oscar to anyone, really, it's Anthony Hopkins. Like, he's been getting them so far, but again, that third act to the father just... Absolutely. Just tears streaming down my face. And, <laughs> oh, and again, like... If it's just so, cutting too close to what home. you're saying is, is that if, uh, if Anthony Hopkins, if the roles were reversed, if it was Riz Ahmed that was in The Father and Anthony Hopkins that was a death drummer and Sound of Metal, would that have changed it? Oh, yeah, he he would get it for the Sound of Metal, but. <laughs> 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 but, oh, he does. It's such a fucking powerful performance. Like, even when you watch the first half hour of the film, you're thinking. Man, I can see why he's nominated for this. Like, this is yeah. fucking brilliant. And then by the end of it, you're just just a broken shell of a person. And you're just like, oh, take the Oscar and never talk to me about this film again. Like, just, I will never recommend this to anyone. Not especially my fucking family. The fact that we're kind of dealing with like a grandparent that's got dementia. I was like, yeah, this is not a film I'm going to recommend to my parents. No, sorry, they're going to get told about fucking Fast 9 before I tell them about this film. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, God. Uh, who do you think could get an award out of this? Uh, I mean, obviously I've only seen like, Riz Ahmed for Sounds of Metal and all that. Aye. So I, I would be happy if he did get it as well because he played a, a difficult part as well where yeah. like, you're having to pretend that you've lost the sense and mm. be convincing in the way you you do it. Yeah. So like, I do feel like obviously the way it's going so far it's probably a dead set for Anthony Hopkins, but I would be pleasantly surprised if it went to either Stephen Stephen Yoon or Riz Ahmed. Yeah, because Gary's got plenty. You don't need any more. Exactly, yeah. he got it for the fucking Churchill film. Neller here. Aye, ah, yeah. So, right, uh, best performance by an actress in a leading role. So, you've got Andrea Day. For the United States versus Billie Holiday. Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Women. Frances McDormand, Nomad Land. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman. And Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm. So I've only seen two films out of this. Obviously, Promising Young Women and Nomad Land. And I would say, have you just seen. Promising Young Women? Yeah, yeah, Promising Young Women. Aye. Now, I know that... that woman, that was the one that the woman had... Was it the start of the film? She had a miscarriage or something like that. It's a Netflix film, eh? Uh, to be honest, I know nothing about this film. I was getting it confused with Promising Young Women because obviously pieces of women, Promising Young Women. Yeah, aye. That's kind of like, like two different fucking... Mm. Uh, I think obviously I think like like Francis is probably like, like the one to beat. 
Yeah, aye, that's uh, that's got to be the bookie's favourite. So. so I mean, I I go with say if Harry Mulligan got that would probably be like your shock. Aye, totally. Now I think when it was the Golden Globes, obviously they split theirs into comedy and musical and drama. So I believe it was uh, Andrea Day got the comedy and musical best actress for the United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, So that could be possibly like, obviously Francis got the drama and Andrea got the musical and comedy. So that's kind of like, right, there's your two big ones. But I think... Francis got the BAFTA as well. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, by that, it seems obvious that Francis and Nomadland is kind of the one to beat. But, yeah, I haven't seen enough to kind of to speak uh, for the others. But Carrie Mulligan plays a great role in Promising yeah. Young Women. Like, that's a fucking one of those career-defining roles while she's been around forever. I mean, she was... She was in Drive. Yeah, she was. So, and that's it. They kind of go from being kind of the the love interest with the... the, Not a dark past, but like a traumatic sort of past with like the the ex-boyfriend and things like that. Like she's playing a role now where she's more or less like the Ryan Gosling of the film. Ah. Like she could handle herself just fine. Uh, you will have a look at Best Supporting Actor. Aye, uh, yeah, this is a interesting one. Yeah, this caused, I was going to say slight controversy, but that just means it confused the internet for a day. And yeah. it still doesn't Aye. sit right. Because we've got Daniel Kalia, Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, Keith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Paul Racy, Sounds of Metal. And Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of the Chicago 7. So, um, Paul Racy, for Sound of Metal, sure. He had a great part in that film as well. Like, he was... Yeah there to kind of explain the worlds, this new world that Riz Ahmed characters ended up in. So, yeah. and he does, he does great kind of introducing them to this community. Sasha Baron Cohen does a great part in Trial Chicago 7. I, I quite like this. Like, he was, like, whenever there was, like, light-hearted bits, like, the Batman was saying about him and the... Um... Oh, he's part of me, they were dressed up as a judge and all that. Yeah, aye. And I, like, that shit was, like, humorous. And, I, and like, the exactly. fact he was always talking about getting stoned and he had that, he had that fucking, like, is it Boston accent or New Jersey accent? Aye, there was definitely one of those accents. I would think, I would say Boston, maybe. Yeah. But, and... But, I, I mean... Th- you go. With, with the whole, with the whole like Daniel Kaluuya and like Keith Sanfield there, like it's fucking. It's like who's who's yeah. the lead here? The fucking supporter in there because I think it's, I think it would just be as confusing if you had them both listed as like leads as well. 
So surely you should have had one one lead and one support, and you would probably have Aye. Daniel as the lead. I should see. I, when I watched it, I actually like in my in my mind like Lakeith's the lead because he's a yeah like the FBI fucking informant. That's the fucking, film starts with him and finishes with yeah. him. Yeah, like, yeah. Daniel Kalee is a character he meets along the way. Like, if yeah. if you measured the screen time, it's definitely more Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, but it's almost as if there's a right. Uh, we've only got five seats on the minibus for best actor. Uh, Lakeith, you just go on the supporting role bus. Like you, yeah. you're good enough to be nominated, but not in the category that you should be. Just hitch a ride with these guys. Yeah. And it just act. Ah, it's it. I, I don't know. Like, if you want, you've worked so hard in a film and you've been nominated, but you just feel like you've just been miscast in the wrong category. Uh, like yeah. Daniel Kaluuya's makes sense. Like for the amount of screen time and a powerful, powerful performance, nailed it. Best supporting actor, yeah. no doubt about it. But Lakeith should have gotten it. And it's not like yeah. man, who do you take a seat away from? Uh, like, are you going to compare it with Chadwick Boseman? Not just because, right, you can only have one uh, black actor as a lead, but is his role in Mahrady's Black Bottom like, like in best performance by a leading actor? Yeah. Uh, ones, I, we can't, I can't speak for it because I haven't seen it. But uh, it's either like the Keith should have either been nominated for best actor or he just shouldn't have been nominated. Aye, yeah. Because it just doesn't make sense. And obviously... I I was... I I spoke to somebody a couple of weeks after I'd watched Judith and Black Messiah and like, like his character fucking as... um, What's his character's name again? Oh, it's... uh, Was it William... No, kind of Bill... O'Neill. O'Neill. Yeah, Bill O'Neill. Um, Like... His character reminds me of uh, Robert De Niro's character in The Irishman. All right, yeah. Especially like in that last hour when obviously when Bob has to go and take out fucking Al Pacino and he's like fucking like like he doesn't want to do it, but he has to. Aye, aye. And a uh, shout out to obviously One Night in Miami. That was that was. A fun film to watch, just to kind of see these four figures in a fucking motel room one night. Now, the character that Leslie Odom Jr. he was Sam Cooke, so I think he was was he the mu- the musician? Well, because, what's this film about again? Because it's, it's one that's on Amazon Prime. Eh? Yeah, it's a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X. Sam Cooke and Jim Brown Galler discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and the cultural upheaval of the 60s. Uh, so, obviously, you've got uh, Malcolm X. Then you've got, uh, obviously, Cassius Clay. And by the, fil- by the end of the film, he announces that he, he's uh, a Muslim and becomes uh, Muhammad Ali. Jim Brown's like a, a football, an American football star. And Sam Cooke is a musician. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of them uh, kind of 
all end up one night in the same place in a hotel room and they're all kind of just celebrating uh, after uh, Cassius Clay wins a big fight. But... Mm. So, but to be honest, I couldn't remember Leslie's role being that significant in it. I would have been less surprised if it was more of like the Muhammad Ali character or the Malcolm X character. Yeah. But I, obviously, Daniel Kalia has been killing this this award season. Like, yeah. Screen Actors Guild, uh, BAFTAs, Golden Globe. So I feel the boys in a row. It, it's it, it would be it wouldn't be embarrassing if Lakeith gets it. Or no, it, uh, I guess it kind of would be. Uh, well, it wouldn't. Embarrassing is probably the wrong nah, word to because, use. Nah, because like I think because Daniel's got like Saga Walk. Because he got uh, was, did he get the Bafta as well? Ah, he he's gotten more or less them all so far, but. Yeah. I feel Daniel Kalia's played the or delivered the the better performance. Like kind of knowing like uh, Daniel Kalia from like Get Out, like what, yeah. he's always kind of like this calm, reserved character. But when he's Fred Hampton, he's so loud and could hold a room and like, such a powerful talker. He Did delivers you, the you. stronger performance. Yeah. Did you see him in Widows? No. To me, no. over over the microphone there, it's like, did you see him in Liddles, the shop? I was like, no? <laughs> when the fuck was he in no, Liddles? Uh, was he in the middle no, aisle uh, buying random shit as well? No, he was like one of the he was like one of the bad guys in Widows. It was after um, Viola Davis and all that. Right. And he fucking he was terrifying as fucking that, by the way. Like he huh? was Really, it was his partner was that is it Brian Tree Henry or something? Hmm. Uh, Does that work? Well. But I mean, yeah. the only other film I really noticed him when was I know he done that was it a uh, Queen and Queen Slim, Slim, but um, since uh, I was about to say Sin Cara, but no, uh, Sicario. He has oh, a supporting yeah. role in that with Emily Blunt. Ah, uh, yeah. He was in fucking Black Panther, I don't mind. Oh, of course. Aye. But that's it. I feel like he has a set of significant roles that just makes him stand out for everyone else. And I think this will be a big one for him as well. Mm. I'd be happy if either of them got it. Sure. Sure, I'd actually be happy if... Like, I wouldn't mind if Sasha Baron Cohen got it either. Eh? For a yeah. Like, uh, trial. Aye. Yeah, I feel like Trial might be one of these ones that sort of like True Grit is like nominated for 11 awards and gets none. But yeah. it might end up getting like one of the writing awards, like Best Adapted Screenplay or something kind of one of those or like a technical award. Yeah. But, aye, I think it, it's the money's on Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, so. So, uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role. We've got Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, 
Right, brace yourselves. Uh, Maria Bakalov for Borat subsequent movie film Delivery of Prestigious Bride to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, Olivia Coleman for The Father and Young Yun Jun for Minari. Yeah. And uh, obviously at the moment it looks like uh, the grand from Minari has been winning them. Oh, she, right. she won I think the Screen Actors Guild. She won the BAFTA uh, where I think she won over the internet because it was like a wee phone in video acceptance speech where she said, oh, thank you very much to, it was an honour to be nominated. Well, actually, sorry, to, to have won this. It's amazing that I've, I've been deemed um, the winner by the British public, or the, by the British people, like, who are obviously famously quite snobbish. So for me to be uh, chosen by them is a great honour. <laughs> so just kind of this backhanded saying, well, all the British people are really snobby. And I think she kind of just won everyone over with the kind of that backhanded compliment. But she's won, I think, two. And I think Maria Bakalov got the Golden Globe. But I imagine, obviously, again, split categories. So she probably would have gotten it for a comedy or musical. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so I mean, I've only uh, the only one that I've seen is uh, that Maria Bakalova. So yeah. And I mean, uh, did, were you surprised was, to see it nominated? I was actually. It is one of those ones like really, the Borat movie, the Borat sequel, is getting an Oscar nomination. Like, it, part of me is like, is this just due to the controversy that she shared a hotel room? With that, uh, I can't remember his name. Is some sort of oh fucking yeah. Oh, um, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, and yeah, how yeah. he was kind of a bit of a creep. He was lying on the bed, yeah. like tucking his shirt in, but he was clearly just like, I don't know, putting his hands on his dick. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I mean, the film, the film was funny. You know, there was some funny bits like the. The father-daughter dance bit was just like... Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope that's in the Oscar montage. <laughs> the, the fucking uh, full the, moon. The fucking the blood moon. Aye, uh, or the bit where they're at the fucking... Uh, the, getting, uh, trying to get the abortion and all that. Oh, <laughs> all that yeah, dad put a baby in my tummy. Aye. <laughs> so it's like... It's almost like a controversial hot take. It's like, yeah, let's throw fucking Maria in there. Yeah. And I can see why the Gran gets a lot of attention for Minari. Because uh, she's this just kind of this lovable Gran where she's the one that curses and swears and uh, loves drinking uh, the water from the mountains. And mm. what actually is is a bottle of Mountain Dew. Ah. So she's obsessed with just like, oh, this must be so healthy. Oh, it's lovely. Boy, go get me some more of that uh, water of the mountains. And he's sitting pouring the bright green fizzy juice into a tumbler for her. 
and she's convinced it's a fucking health tonic. Mm-hmm. But the, her role does take a like a big turn into it. Like she's sitting there playing fucking uh, blackjack with her grandkids, watching wrestling on a Saturday afternoon, swearing at like the bad guys. But I, I feel like she deserves the attention she gets. Uh, Olivia Coleman, I can see why she's nominated because that was a fucking hard role to play in The Father. But yeah. Hillbilly Elegy, that's another Netflix film, isn't it? Yeah, did it not get absolutely fucking roasted? Like, people were like, like saying how fucking trash it was. Maybe? Because let's see, uh, what's the plot? An urgent phone call pulls a Yale law student back to his Ohio hometown where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future. And Glenn Close plays Ma Ma. Yeah. And aye, she just looks like Max's mum from Always Sunny. <laughs> she fucking does. Oh, God, I can't get that image in my head now. Just so, chain smoking all the time, eh? Exactly. IMDb's got the wee carousel of images, and it's just her in a plaid shirt smoking a fag. Yeah. Oh, God. So. Um, but. I had it again. I mean. Glenn Close is always kind of like this the famous Oscar. Like, she's had the countless amount of nominations. But yeah. I would just, I would be happy if it kind of just plays its course and the Grand from Minari gets the awards. I feel like Minari's probably got to get overlooked because there's quite a lot of other big, powerful films this year. But if it kind of gets some of the little side awards, it's probably yeah, good enough. Yeah. Like, when you do that home release, you could mention winner of two Oscars and things like that, just to kind of say it's it's earned its merits. Aye. But, I mean, it could be a surprise if if Maria Bakalov gets her awards. I mean, what would her fucking award speech be? Fucking shout out to Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's have a look now. A best achievement in directing. Again, another five people. Um, you've got Chloe Zell for Nomad Land, David Fincher for Mank, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, and uh, Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round. I mean, that's a nice surprise to kind of see another round being nominated. Yeah. Especially outside of the, the foreign language category. They could have just uh, went there and stayed there, but the fact that they've kind of went further afield and offered more nominations is nice. Yeah. It's a really, like, it's an interesting field for, like, the fucking, like, for best director this year, eh? Aye. Because like, the, the only big name that you know there is David Fincher. That's nobody else. Aye, it's all these just like, either up-and-coming names because... Chloe Zhao, Emerald Fennell, Lee Isaac Chung, and Thomas Vinterberg. Yeah. Like, this is all, like, I'd imagine, I think they're all first-timers. So, but, the the way it's been going, again, Nomadland has been winning yeah. all the awards so far. But I think 
Emerald Fennell has been getting some awards. I think it's more for the writing Promising Young Woman. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Lee Isaac Chung uh, Minari is a semi, uh, what's it, biographical based on his childhood. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's ended up directing this and getting this much attention is pretty good as well. And another round's a fucking great film. Like, it's such a roller coaster of a watch. Where, like, I think that's coming out in, like, June or July this year. It's kind of astounding me that they're waiting so late to fucking fire the pistol on it. Yeah. Like, just get on streaming now. I know people are probably just praying for box office, but. I still I don't see why you can't just fire it out there and the thing is I imagine that a lot of films will probably still get the chance to get rerun in cinemas like what's the chances that uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League might get a limited uh, theatrical run this summer yeah draw out hardcore fans and all the people that missed like Fucking what about like Palm Springs or something? Just these films that you missed the first time around will probably end up in theaters again. But it's strange that people are waiting so long, and now obviously we're at the stage where we're getting a lot of the Oscar-nominated films all in April because well, you kind of want to see half the films, or when you see the Oscars, you want to see how available these films are. And of course, Nomadland. Promising Young Woman. Um, I think you could rent Minari off of Sky just now, like the Sky Store. And yeah. obviously things like Mag, Trial of Chicago 7, like are all like Netflix. So majority yeah. is like streaming is dominating this year. Mm-hmm. So when your film's not on there, it's just going to get forgotten about until, I guess, like whole media physical release. Yeah. Ah, so... That's a very fucking very interesting year for fucking Oscars anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good. It's given them a chance to be more diverse, I'd imagine. Because it's yeah, you've got like achievement in directing, but you're including directors of like foreign language films. Yeah. So it's just kind of showing that there's kind of more growth where you're not all just stuck to, to English language. Yeah. Um. So obviously, it could just fall down to Zoe. Sorry, uh, Chloe Zhao. She's kind of been winning the award so far, but it might be a surprise for Emerald to win it. But I think if it is an achievement in directing, I feel maybe Lee Isaac Chung has more of a chance than her. Or. Yeah. It could be a fucking huge surprise with Thomas Vinterberg. And I know it's it's strange kind of not even considering David Fincher. Yeah. But he's probably directed the most bland film out of the five. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's, a, it's interesting this year anyway. I think you'll... Uh, it's a hard one to call actually for the director one, eh? Like, yeah. And that was it. Last year we were in the same boat where it was like, oh man, 
Bong Joon-ho did do a great job, but they probably wouldn't give it to him. And yeah. it was that um, close a race because it was sort of like Sam Mendes was getting a lot of attention. Bong Joon-ho was getting a lot of attention. It was so down to the wire. Yeah. Whereas this year, again, I feel like it could be all down to Chloe, but there's some real promising other directors right behind her. Yeah. Ah, come here. I can't recall that one at all, man. Not at all. I was looking through the other awards for like fucking through, and I'm like, like best best anime feature, like the Shaun the Sheep film has been nominated for this year. <laughs> Oh, is it, is it like Farmageddon or something? Aye. Farmageddon, the Onwards there, Souls, I think Souls will win it. Yeah, it's Souls, a special film. It, it was alright, all right. didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. Onward was, Onward was alright as well, I suppose. Yeah. I, I mean, best achievement in music written for motion picture, the Eurovision Song Contest movie. Oh, Ja Ja Ding Dong, baby. Fucking get that to fuck <laughs> oh man uh, actually best achievement in visual effects I did watch um, one of the nominated films at the weekend uh, Love and Monsters that's another Netflix oh, movie yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. did that get nominated yeah best visual effects uh, and Tenna got a nomination for that eh? yes and that, so this is where like films like that are going to thrive in your technical categories. Aye. I mean, let's call it now for films for, um, what was it, best sound mixing or best sound design, has to be Sound of Metal. Aye. Like, there's just no other thinking about it. It's, it was like when I watched uh, The First Man for the first time. You know, the Ryan Gosling oh, astronaut no, film. Yeah, the, the sound was so important in that film because uh, it looked I like you know, there are just some shots where, and again, it's just the sound was so powerful and is like it's obviously everything was so well orchestrated. I kind of knew yeah. what was going to happen because obviously because obviously with Sam Metal with the whole subject and all that, I like that had obviously key episode obviously. Aye. When he, when he starts to like you know like go through it, he starts to like kind of like lose like it's like that noise you know like you got like water in your ear exactly uh, and uh, it's all muffled aye and that's annoying enough like even for like the yeah. two minutes it's like that but Jesus and obviously for them to try and portray the sounds that he's hearing like, as accurately so we the audience could hear the same thing. It's definitely a real achievement in sound design. So I think when he's got that um, the headphones in, and like when he first gets the operation and all that, and like the sounds all off. Yeah, the static, and all, and static, and all that. Like that's that's definitely. I'm kind of. It's, I wonder if that would be just as a chore watching it in cinema for the sounds, what fucking ten it was because. Yeah, the fucking nightmare. Eh? Aye, aye, it was one of those ones. Like this film is amazing, but fucking hell, this sounds all over the place. But and obviously the sound's so fucking strong 
in Sound of Metal, whereas like right else it gets the the message across, but fuck, I'd probably leave you with your ears ringing by the end of the film. Ironically. I think that's it, unless there's any other film you want to give a shout out to. I think that is it. Um, there's nothing really really else because like your best screenplay I'm best screenplay probably might be trailer Chicago 7 eh, to be fair yeah definitely it's a strong script I think maybe best international best international feature film will probably go to another round and yeah. other films nominated alongside it is like a Hong Kong film called Better Days another film yeah. called Collective and The Man Who Sold His Skin but I think another round was a film that was next level in itself so I would be fair chuffed if it got yeah, I think, best international feature film I think original score will be sold because it got all the fucking it like, did didn't it Trent Reznor uh, and was it Atticus uh, Ross yeah. Yeah, Sackers Ross. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's good to know that Tenet wasn't in best film editing. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know that film has been getting getting some like I was going to say some dingers. It's getting fucking skilts about. But uh, I mean, whilst it was an, a, definitely some sort of achievement in directing, it still wasn't without its its issues. Right, yeah. And fucking two Tom Hank films in Best Sound. News of the World and Greyhound. I've not seen any of them. Greyhound yet. was a great film. That was the one that was on Apple, Apple. TV, yeah. And the News the of the World, subject. your Netflix movie. Aye, aye. But that was a Western, and um, Greyhound was like a war one or the like car? Yeah, World War Two sort of. A marine movie. He's like a US Navy commander trying to lead like an Allied convoy, but they were being stalked by German submarines. Yeah. Ah, that that is a great film, and again, ninety-one minutes. Yeah. But again, it's the sounds, best sounds. So, <laughs> sound of metal. Yeah. It's it's the the fucking daddy, I think. So. But uh, let's let's leave it now and fast forward a week and see how it all fucking played out. Yeah. What if they decide to shop the world and they come out just as everybody is ready to stand up? Oh, we forgot we've got one mere announcement and it's for fucking Big Delroy. <laughs> I was going to say that, that how, they going, how will the ceremony happen? Will there be People in the hall, will it just be like WWE where it's just a sea of screens and you say, oh look, there's Tom Hanks in his living room. So it's digital recovering from COVID. Aye, and there's fucking Delroy fucking knocking his laptop off the table <laughs> having to get muted. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And what will they do this year when it comes to the speech? I mean, what if uh, Anthony Hopkins wins Best Actor and he's talking and they're five minutes in do they just hang up on his call rather than play the music go do do uh, they just yeah, cut him off fucking, like, do you ever, like, ever like, watch any like, Anthony Hopkins' stuff on Twitter 
No. Like, he puts up, like, videos on Twitter, like, his day-to-day life, and he's just so fucking, so wacky and cookie, yeah. Aye, he's a mad lad. Uh, well, that's it, he's, he's away doing uh, the fourth Thor movie right now, isn't he? Aye. He'll be uh, over in Australia doing that. Aye, indeed he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though I felt like he's died in every fucking Thor movie we've had so far. I'm sure yeah, he died uh, in the first one. Then he died in the second one, and Loki was posing as him, and then he fucking faded to dust in the third movie. This boy won't fucking die. Cue to next week's episode, and we're having to do a fucking memoriam to Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop the recording now. Cool, well. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We're now at that stage of the show where the Oscars have happened, the dust has settled, and me and Mike are here to discuss our take on the results. So I've uh, pulled up the IMDb page with all the sort of the results on it. Uh, but Mike, in short, do you have any any hot takes on what happens? I looked for supper. Kind of quick look on like Twitter yesterday morning, and I was reading stuff on the bus going to work, and yeah. people were pissed, and I mean pissed at fucking like the fucking choice for best actor and all that. Yes, I ah, definitely seemed to be like a bone of contention with some people. Um, I think it might have also been a way of how it was presented. Because I, from, uh, I'll admit, I have not had time to actually watch the, the actual Oscar ceremony uh, itself. Because yeah. I think it is on demand on now, right now. But it's just I haven't gotten there yet. I normally like to kind of have, like, spend a night and go through it. But this year, it's all just come around faster than I expected. And now, well, I think what they did was that, they they made the best actor award be the last award of the night. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I think that might have given the wrong message to the audience or to the people at home, thinking, "Oh, this I, I is being extra special." I, yeah, I think I, I think people were expecting it to be going a obviously like Chadwick and all that, but I mean. I've never seen any. I've not watched any of the highlights on the hand. I did see that it, like it, it reached a record low in like fucking. I reckon if it's like viewership or whatever. Yeah, like, aye. Hmm. Like people were. I mean, obviously, it was always going to be different this year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> with the way everything is. Aye, exactly. It's it's kind of not your normal fanfare around it. It's a very different, more broad choice of films that have been chosen. And people haven't kind of had the chance to go out to cinemas and see them. They've all had to see them these different ways, but yeah. And I think one of the strange choices or decisions that I've, I've heard was uh, they didn't bother showing actual like footage of the movies during the Oscar ceremony. So, 
might weigh in, uh, like an actor or an actress would come out and read out the nominations, you'd sort of get that highlight reel show and say, like, Frances McDormand and Nomadland, and like a wee 10 second clip of her doing her thing, then it cuts to the next person and then the next person. Yeah. I think this year they showed no footage whatsoever and it was just a presenter coming out, reading what they had on the card, announcing the winner and moved on to the next award. Don't think they had a in memoriam thing either. Really? Yeah, like people were like going fucking mad about that as well. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Like, I'm not even double checking Twitter, but I'm sure I read it. Like, people were like fucking fuming. All of a sudden, no, yes, all of a sudden because of Chadwick died, but mm-hmm. like Chris Plummer and I know it's been yeah. a significant like twelve months for people that have passed. And you think, well, it's the Oscars. There's like X amount of things you could rely on. Like they need to do this, this, the like okay, musical numbers or the in memoriam. You it's it makes no sense for them not to Oh no, we mentioned it. It was. Okay. I was gonna say that's very weird. Because they can't do fucking two years worth the following year. Yeah, it's because they actually like, they didn't have like everybody in it. Ah, that's that's the usual. Some people get yeah. forgotten or missed out of it, and it obviously they get called out on it pretty quickly. So, um, but yeah, I kind of just woke up to the fanfare of everyone uh, loving Daniel Kaluuya and the granny from Minari. I think. Their speeches had yeah, I... hit a note with people. I think, what was it? I, I haven't actually watched Daniel Kaluuya's uh, acceptance speech, but I feel like he gave a shout out to his mum and dad for making him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think it cut to like a cringe reaction of his mum. Uh, right. Like, fuck's wrong with you, boy? Because he's become the first like, like black British actor to get like a like an award ah. like, like an Oscar yeah so that was what I read today on Twitter was that he become the first like black like fucking like Britain like British person like won an award aye oh, that's different well, and that's it I think this is clearly the most culturally diverse Oscars we've seen like from nominations to winners it's definitely kind of shown right the Oscar so white is now a thing of the past. Yeah, like, I really, I really wish I remember that fucking guy's name that had that massive rant last year. Because <laughs> surely if he had something to say yesterday, it would have been on our social media. <clears throat> Aye, yeah. <sighs> Aye. Now, hey, let's have a look at the winners then. Uh, we'll start with Best Picture. So, I think there was no surprise there with uh, Nomad Land winning yeah. Best Picture. Now, IMDb have now done like a fan prediction poll where they were getting people to vote on who they thought would win. So, obviously, 30% of the vote went to Nomad Land. So, that was right. Uh, the second closest guess they assumed was the trial of the Chicago 7. Alright. I feel that was a film that was overlooked 
I don't Aye. think that got yeah. much. It might have gotten something, but it didn't get much. Yeah, I had um, decent. Um, like, like, if you're putting money on it on the bookies on the Sunday night, the odds for that to win Aye. was pretty good. Yeah. So. So I I I think in total Nomadland uh, scored six Oscars, and obviously it will be on Disney Plus. I think by the end of this month at least. Ah uh, yes, end of this month. Mm-hmm. I might I, I might check it out. I was that's what I was about to say. That obviously since our last chance we've had to sit down and talk. Have you? Watched any more Oscar? Uh, yeah, I watched. Films? Uh, I watched Father this afternoon. Oof. Yeah, yeah. and it was fucking like later you say that it completely fucks for you the first ten minutes into the film. Aye. When right. obviously you've got like Olivia Coleman at the start, and then again, just everybody's always there. But like you're saying, there's always a small detail that changes in every fucking different bit. Yeah. Aye. Now, let's just uh, do that little slide to the left. Uh, now, to Best Actor. This is where we could do all our father talk. Uh, on IMDb, they had 40 per- 47% of the fans' prediction was for Chadwick Boseman to win Best Actor. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins only had a 25% chance in the fans' vote. But, I mean, we said it ourselves, that look at the way it's going. Like, who got the BAFTA? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I think with the Golden Globes, it was down the middle because I think both of them got one, in a sense, for like musical and a comedy and drama. So yeah, you had yeah. two Best Actor awards to hand out. But I, I, I'll stand by what I said last week. Anthony Hopkins... Uh, portrayal in the father uh, earns him that Oscar. Yeah, because uh, um, obviously, obviously it's been, uh, it must have been a fucking a hard role to find the, they can imagine like can like remember all these wee bits and bobs, mm-hmm. all the wee mannerisms and stuff like that. I mean, like because at like, times where he was quite, quite chirpy and all that and he was almost like he had the fucking like gift of the gab when they when the other carer had come into the house remember oh, yeah, young and aye he was he turned on the charm yeah and I mean like we're saying like, like like it was almost like a Christopher Nolan-esque type film because like stuff changed here and there and then like say obviously because you get the Opening scenes, obviously, him with Olivia Coleman. Aye. And then, like, five, ten minutes later, he's like, in his house, is a guy sitting there who claims to be Olivia Coleman's husband. Mm-hmm. And then, that's not Olivia Coleman that comes in the fucking door. I know. It is like, like, where he's like, I'm like, I'm like, what? And then, obviously, as the film goes on, like, the, the two characters like start showing up in different fucking various situations in the film and all that, and it's just, and it's when the dialogue starts repeating and that wait, this scenes or this Aye, yeah. we've had this conversation already, but it was different Aye. people in a different setting, and you're like, yeah. oh man, they must have just 
just try to give us the clearest image of this is what a person suffering from dementia probably suffer like puts up with in their life. This is where they're coming in, and then obviously the family supported them. It's such a fucking tragic film. A fucking horrible I, I like, disease. I like what you say there, like the fucking last 15, 15, 20 minutes and all that. Like, I can see why you were in fucking tears at the end of it and all that, because it kind of goes like almost back to like this childhood mode. Yeah, it's weird. such a, like, oh, it's just. And it's, it's I fucking tear horrible. My eyes away for the screen, but oh, it was a, the fucking most. I think it's one of these things where we all can imagine people with dementia going through those stages, getting to that point, but just kind of watching it and just seeing it, like this person have a mental breakdown from realising, I'm not in my home, I'm not with my daughter, they've gone, and it's just like this panic attack, and it just reduces them back to a childlike state where he wants his mum, and they're just like, oh my god, I just, oh. I'm yeah, fucking yeah. tearing up at the thought of that seed. I, I was reading somebody's um, letterbox review on it. I'm sure mm. it was a letterbox review. And somebody actually like, said that fucking, like, it was this year's like best horror film. <laughs> yeah, like, aye. Like, how horrifically scarring it is for folk. Yeah, totally. That's it. No. Oh. So it is a, a deserved win, but also I, I can't speak for the backlash because I haven't watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But no, I reckon if if the his performance will just hit me as hard as that did, yeah, and it, it's like I couldn't tell you the last time that I, someone's performance actually totally fucking left me so distraught and that's it. I'll watch films and I'll, I'll tear up or I'll get choked up yeah and it, it's just it's just this thing I'm a big fucking safety yeah. nowadays Bruce Willis and I'm getting there again eh? <laughs> but oh it was it's just those things like films will get like if I'm fucking captivated in a film if I'm engrossed and I love the characters and if there's any threat comes to these characters or if there's a fucking animal in danger I'm like oh no oh did he did he do this like I would like I fucking I saw many movies we went and seen once upon a time in Hollywood and when it was gearing up to the last 15-20 minutes when like Charlie's fucking gang showed up at uh, Rick's house and also Rick's outside and fucking Cliff answered the door and I'm like nah Danny Danny kill Cliff Danny kill fucking Cliff Aye, it was one of those ones where like, fuck. Because you're just expecting the worst things to happen to these characters yeah. that we've gotten to know over the last two and a bit hours. And you're like, just I don't do anything. Like, leave them alone. They better not touch that fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> if some cunt shoots brandy, I'm going to flip out. Bye, obviously. I'm trying to see the fucking... One of the tweets that I'd read, and somebody basically like said that fucking that like like Anthony didn't deserve it. He's already got one. I was like, fair enough, right? He has got one, right? It's like the last time he won it was actually. It's certainly because the last time he won it was thirty years ago for fucking uh, Silence of the Lambs. Aye, 
like get, people are allowed to fucking pull out amazing performances. They don't yeah. need to kind of be like right one and done. It's if they fucking deserve it, and I mean, ah, fucking, but it is. It's it's they'll all get these kind of backlash again. Or obviously, like fucking, like oh, like that's that's fucking that's the white supremacist that fucking the Oscar that because they. Like Chabot never got it, or Steven Yun never got it, and all that. Aye. Aye, that's it. The fuck will say that, and you just, well, I feel like the only fair thing to say have you watched The Father, though? Have you seen it? Like, just if the person won the award for best actor, there's a good chance that they're a really good fucking actor in that film. And yeah, I can't, I cannot comment for Chadwick Boseman, but. I will definitely watch it and see if his performance will have an effect as much as Anthony Hopkins did. But I'll be going to watch it now, kind of, with the mindset of, right, come on, you better fucking blow me away with this film. There's a fucking great tweet there. It's like, uh, we're putting best actor last to end. Uh, Sorry, we're putting best actor last to end on an emotional note. And then it's... um, Oh fucking what's her name? It's fucking oh what's her name? She was in Division. she like does the wank. Oh is it Wait WandaVision, so you've got Ah yeah, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a wank in it. Right. It's saying like like that today. But like honestly, people are so fucking so pissed about it, eh? Right, okay. Aye, it's... Oh, it's just that thing. And I think the Jaren thing of it as well was, obviously, they saved that last. It's got Joaquin Phoenix. Obviously, must have just read through the categories. Oh, read through the nominees. Announced Anthony Hopkins is the winner. He cannot be here to accept the award. We accept on his behalf. Thank you and good night. And they're like, wait, what? Is, it, is this this? Us? We're done? Yeah. So, but and it wasn't until like the next day, I think Anthony put up an acceptance speech because he's, he's in Ireland or Wales now or something. He's, I think he's finished doing uh, the next Thor movie. Mm. But, and I feel like he got grief from the BAFTAs as well. And I would just feel like, hey, come on, this guy's in his fucking 80s. Like, do they really need to fucking dress him up, send him out like in a world where there's a fucking pandemic to attend ceremonies, to be in crowded rooms? Or, like, do you expect this guy in his 80s also to know how to work his fucking computer? Like, just... Yeah. Just give the man a break. Well, they done more, they gave him a fucking award, so... Right, let's have a wee donder over to Best Actress. Uh, I was... It was no fucking no quibbles who was getting that. Eh? Aye, another another little statue for Franny McDormand. And it's like, 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 like further down the line came when she starts to get in the bit, bit older, because she's like, mm-hmm. I believe in the whole Meryl Streep hanging up, but the Meryl Streep won a fucking load of awards. Aye. When, even when she was going up against like young ones and all that, and it's I think it'll end up happening to 
like Francis so the only one I've seen at that list would obviously promising young women so mm-hmm. but I would kind of think obviously I think like with the type of work that Francis has done kind of she has like a really good actress and that so aye aye well that's it I think this is her third Oscar because it mentions that it was previously won in 1997 and 2017 so that's clearly has like 1997 that'll have to be for Fargo yeah, Fargo and three, three billboards. billboards. So, and that's it. She's, again, she's just one of these actresses that is so much fun to watch. Like, she always just seems like the most real, per- the most realist person in a movie. And Nomadland is like kind of uh, not, not an exception because. I feel like she's the only actual actress in that film and the rest are just real people. But she just blends in with them that well. There's not like that aura of Hollywood surrounding her. She just, she's just like, she's, I, I, what's the best way to describe it? She's almost like your fucking mother-in-law where it's just like, that's it. Like, she's always mother-in-law. Just probably the most down-to-earth real person like she doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's any acting in what she does. She's just playing herself, and seems yeah, to yeah. fucking nail it. So, yeah. and Nomadland is is one of those films that really stuck with me for days after watching it. It, was, it really reminded me much of much like that William Defoe uh, film from a couple years ago, a uh, Florida Project. All right. Uh- where I think I was a similar situation because, like, all the children and the residents in the motel that Willem was running, well, I think we're all just real people. People that lived there, children that lived on the estate, and they just followed them. So it's just, like, kind of one of those ones where you're just left thinking about the people that you saw in that film and kind of the journey that those people were on. But I, I definitely, if you have found time, like, I think it's an hour 50. So really, if there was, like, I don't know, you're endlessly scrolling through Netflix or Now TV trying to find something to watch, like, I would seriously chuck a bone at Nomadland. Yeah, because I think it does come this week. I'm sure it is the end, end of April or it's beginning of May anyway. Ah, but. it's... Because that's a, it's still getting advertised on TV. Uh, for they've obviously they've now updated the graphics on the advert saying six uh, Oscar award winning film, and I think it got four BAFTAs as well. Yeah, so, I like what you say. Yeah, like obviously, kind of stuff getting like BAFTAs and Golden Globes, and that's normally the trend and all that. And aye. And that's the yeah. thing, like, when I was checking the odds on Sunday night, we were getting three and a half to one for either um, Sasha Baron Cohen getting best supporting actor or Anthony Hopkins getting best actor. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was like, man, I fucking wish I'd been paid last week. <laughs> I would have took a chuck at that, like. Aye. Let's have a wee look at our best supporting actor. So, obviously, again, the trend showing that Daniel Kaluuya was, was on a roll and this did not stop him. 
the top three predictions was obviously Daniel Kalia, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Lakeith Sanfield. Yeah. And obviously, we discussed last week that can. Fair enough. If Lakeith had been nominated for best actor, you you probably would have can been can you would have narrowed the duty Daniel Kalia getting best born actor, but because the two of them were in the same category. Aye. Kind of feel that Lakeith got kind of stiffed a wee bit. Yeah, it's like they really didn't want to leave him out, but they just fucking stuck him at the wrong table. Like Daniel Kalia yeah. totally deserved that award because he was a supporting actor in that film. He was yeah. not the lead of that film, but he had a fucking powerful performance and fucking nailed the role. So rightfully earning that award. And uh, I always kind of enjoy when he does pop up in films just to kind of see because that's it. It's just a really interesting actor. Like, fucking get out and like that um, appearance he done in Black Mirror. I feel like I, I don't see enough of the guy in films. So, and I think you mentioned last week as well, he had a, a significant part in uh, Black Panther too. Ah, uh, yeah, it was, um... Oh, and what was it? Widows. Ah, uh, Widows, aye. Uh, yeah. Uh, fucking, I really need to rewatch it again, purely because of his role, like, it was like... Aye. as a genuinely fucking good role that he's in. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's it. I really need to kind of have a... a wee deep dive on his filmography. Like, uh, what's it? Is it Queen and Slim? Yeah, it's... Like that on... one. Prime, I'm sure. I watched that last year. It was actually not too bad. It's, right. it's like two hours fifteen. Right. Aye, I need to have a wee look into it. And again, it's the whole like Black Lives Matter thing and all that. And it's aye, it's a point in time. Yeah, it almost kind of feels like the fucking um, like Spike Lee fucking like, could have like directed this film. Yeah, aye, and. Didn't the writing credits go to those uh, twins? Like it's written by uh, I can't remember the name, but it's it's these twins who are also comedians. Like they're black, they wear glasses. I think they're in one of the the second, well, twenty two Jump Street, where there's like a pair of stoner twins that keep finishing each other's sentences and. Uh-huh. Uh, it's one of these things, you'll see a picture and you'll recognise them right away, but yeah. it's them and someone else wrote the script for this film. So someone was kind of saying, oh look, sure there are fucking pair of stoners here, but look what they've accomplished. Yeah. Now Oscar nominated writers. Alright, let's mosey over to the best supporting actress and it went to Yun Yun Jung for Minari Again, like she was on a fucking tear. She was winning the BAFTAs, the Golden Globes, and I said last week. Obviously, she does a fucking terrific performance in that film. Like between her, Stephen Yun, and the little kids of that film, the, there are just so many great roles in that yeah. film. But it's so cool to see that the grand got this attention. Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, like I said, that's a film that I've 
could probably wouldn't watch it, but I also if it's if it is there on a streaming and I probably would. Yeah, I I would totally recommend it to people. It's, it's one of these ones that, yes, I would definitely recommend this film to you first before The Father, but it, it would have to be just, I'd have to know the person to know that if they'll be able to handle watching The Father because yeah. it's such a gut-wrenching film. I mean, the other people nominated in this category, IMDb had Amanda Seyfried's uh, in second place for Mank with 22% of the vote and then Olivia Coleman after it. But funnily enough, yeah. Maria Bakalov was last. Like, I think they did not expect her to get anything out yeah. of this. I'm not sure if the Golden Globe was maybe a... Fuck, did she get the Golden Globe? Because I know how they have like musical and a comedy. I'm just wondering if... Eh, let me switch it and I'll find it. Golden Globe. And obviously, Glenn Close is nominated as well for Hillbilly Elegy, but she was trending as well for... Did she not get up and start fucking twerking during the ceremony? I, yeah, I literally just seen... I literally just seen the gif of that on Twitter. And it was in relation to like, oh, I was on to do like a, a song that was like checked out of, it was like a bit of trivia out of a Spike Lee movie called School Days. And it was either a song or a DJ called The Butt. And she knew right away and just started fucking dancing, got up and started shaking her ass. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Glenn Close, what is going on? Um, I, that, eh, <clears throat> Maria Bakalova, she never got anything. It was, um, who was it? Who was it? Jodie Foster got Best Supporting Actress. All oh, right, for the, it's not for the Manchurian, the Mortuarian. Aye. And that was really surprising that that film got like no recognition at the Oscars yeah, that yeah. did not seem present at all just completely just I don't know I'm not sure if it's controversial I, I know it's about I think a guy that was being blamed as a terrorist in regards I, to planning I, 9-11 one of, my, uh, one of my pals was talking about it last week I said it was pretty good there, so uh, and I, I think love. that's on Amazon now. Yeah, it's like a Prime exclusive and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, I notice when you see the adverts on TV for like, now TV and Sky Cinema, they're actually labelling Promising Young Women as a Sky original. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's got Sky original above the title. Strange. Like, do you feel like they can't put that label on it unless they put money into the fucking, like, budget or production or something. Like, fair enough if they were distributing it, but when it when they say something like Sky Original, that means we put our money into making this movie. Yeah. 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 But I think, let's see, just going on over to Best Director, again, no surprises... The IMDb fan predictions 
had Chloe Zell at a 49% chance of winning, following closely with David Fincher. Well, I said following closely, 18% compared to 49%. So just directly in second place. Dave Fincher and then uh, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman at 14%. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it. There was just no doubt that Chloe Zhao was going to get it. Because just, you just kind of could see it. Yeah, you could just tell how things are happening. So, And I feel like this was the first year in a while where it just kind of was nice and clear who's getting what there wasn't any upsets other than your best actor that was like an upset for a few people online but outside of those main awards I was pleasantly surprised to see that uh, Thomas Vinterberg got the award for best best international feature film for another round and that was that made the headlines yesterday, but it made the headlines for like the wrong, the wrong kind of reasons. There, like everybody, you think everybody would have been talking about it being getting an award for best foreign film, but everybody's talking about it. it's going to be getting a an American remake with yes. Big Leo. I know that's it. Fucking... Somebody on Twitter was like, "If they are going to remake it with Leo, it needs to be fucking uh, Rick Dalton for the whole film." <laughs> Really <laughs> whiskey sour. Aye, oh, that's uh, he's getting to that stage where he could probably play these roles, but it's just like, man, it just sounds too Hollywood already. Like it's going to be a remake with fucking Leonardo DiCaprio, and if they fucking say Brad Pitt, I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake! But I, I'd watch it because another round does center around uh, four teachers who are just secretly drinking through an experiment that they've planned. So, and I mean, it, it just screams, like, for a hangover marketing campaign. But it's it's just not that type of film. And also, I did see the the big news yesterday saying fucking Big Leo is interested in it. But I did see that, obviously, it brought attention to the director because obviously his daughter died during the production of the movie. Ah, uh, right. I think his daughter died in a car accident when they were four days into production. And it, it, they're saying also there's themes that kind of get reflected in the film because Mad Mickelson's character, I think they talk of, what, like a, I think they're supposed to be a daughter. Like I think she was supposed to be the daughter in the film. And then it's just two boys and there's the parents are distant and they're just kind of talking about something that's happened. Because supposedly all the other students in the film are actually like her classmates. So I think it was quite an intimate film to begin with. And then to have a fucking tragedy like mm. right at the start of production makes it such a sad thing. But it's one of these things that you wouldn't know about until it starts getting all this attention from the Oscars and I think it wasn't until I had to review it when I was doing the Lager Logs with Tom. Tom brought the trivia and brought things like that to my attention. I was like, oh man, like I'm glad I kind of found out about it afterwards because I kind of enjoyed the film more 
not knowing that there's like this tragedy involved. But it is it's such a refreshing film. Like just I've never seen anything like it. Where it is where you could feel so sad at times, but just fucking roaring and laughing at these guys getting absolutely pissed. And it's just like one of these films you're watching like ah, I miss pubs. I kind of miss going out and getting absolute like doing a fucking pub crawl through like I could probably count on one hand on how many pub crawls I've actually done in my life. But fuck, they made it look fun in this film. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's obviously is the big six. I think what was the other ones off the top of my head? Soul got two Oscars, didn't it? I yeah, best anime feature and best was that original. Was it the best score? Or was best score. Yeah. Best original song was Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. So, uh, so I see Tenet got. Oh, it got uh, its uh, visual so, effects award, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't get sound design. Uh, yeah. Um, Mank got best cinematography. What else did it get? Uh, it must have got one of those production awards or costume design. Because you feel like things Mark like that when they're doing it for period Mark films. Mark Rainey got a um, costume design, I think. Oh, the, there's yeah. a, mind you get your other one for hair and makeup as well. Hair and makeup, I think it might be Mank. But, I think. Who knows? Right, well, that's uh, a, yeah. <clears throat> so, I was talking through like, the viewership for the Oscars. Yes. Our viewership for the Oscars. In 2014, it was 43.7 million, and then it's like 37, 34, 32, 26, 29, 23. Last night, no, last night, Sunday night was 9.8. So it it was on the decline, but Mm -hmm. that's I think um, it might pick up again next year. When things will be getting back to normal, a lot more films will be ready to kind of throw it out there into the world. Yeah. So. Be interesting to see what. What gets next year. Exactly. Right. Well, that is our Oscar coverage for this year and the end of award season. I think there'll not be. Any other awards mentioned now for a, f- a little while? You'll get your... What's those awards that they do in the summer? Was it like MTV or something? Aye. Like I'm, getting, I'm getting a Razzies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. I'm not too sure. I feel like it's been awfully quiet from the Razzies. I'm not sure if they're maybe later. Yeah, let me find you. I'll see how fucking hmm. go and then I find it because... It'll be interesting to see what what could be up for the Razzies this year, I wonder. Aye. Whilst you're doing that, I will rattle off our social media. Uh, if you'd like to follow us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or uh, Letterboxd, you could find us searching for the username FAS Podcast. And uh, for Mike, you could find him on Letterboxd and Instagram and Twitter under the username Mikey Van B. 
There we go. We've got it. So the... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Surely not. It's probably saying I saw the hand. Did it just fucking squeak out? Like, I said the 41st Golden Raspberry Awards was an award ceremony that honoured the worst in 2020. It took place on April 24th, 2021. Uh, Worst picture was Absolute Proof. Oh, that's a Trump. That's a fucking. It's, a, it's almost like a documentary thing. Hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. Winner is a nominee. So. Uh, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani was uh, nominated for worst. For Bora. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so there you go. Worst director was. Oh my god, there's not even got like worst director actually was Ron Howard for Hellbilly Elegy. Aye, geez, oh, I didn't even know that he directed that. Um, worst picture was Absolute Proof 365 Days, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, Music. Worst actor, Johnny uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Doolittle. Mm-hmm. And Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween. David <laughs> Spade for Wrong Missy. Worst actress, Kate Hudson for Music. And Hathaway for The Last Thing He Wanted. And The Witches, he was nominated twice. Oh, yeah. Kate Holmes for Brahms. Lauren Lucas for The Wrong Missy. And that a woman, I'll ask you for that three, six, five days. One supporting actress was Maddie Ziegler, Glenn Close, uh, Lassie for Two Folk for Finance Island, Kristen Wigg for Wonder Woman 84. No, aye. No, I can uh, see some fucking annoyed with that. Bruce Wells got three nominations for a worse supporting actor. I no, I feel like he's fucking. Churning them out in the last few months. Yeah. Like some yeah, weird space Pete, film yeah. cried Cosmic yeah. Sin. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger got one for Iron Mask. Oh, yeah. Ah, my God. Books got one for The Tax Collector. That's on Now TV. I've seen that. Oh, I've yeah. David that. Ayer's film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Chevy Chase got nominated for The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee. Oh, it looked all right. Remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. Aye. It looked all right. It looked daft, obviously. Uh, so, worst prequel remake ripoff was Doolittle was the winner. Fair enough. It was, uh, <laughs> Days, Fantasy Island, Hubie Halloween, Wonder Woman 1984. Um, worst. What the fuck is this shit? Worst screenplay was that a three six five day that was a Netflix thing. Hmm. Um, all three Barbie and Kendra movies and in brackets it's Corona Zombies, Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King, and Barbie and Kendra Storm Area Fifty One. <laughs> what the, what fuck? the fuck are these? 
Doolittle, Finest Island, Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. No. I could probably be completely missed that. Yeah, how did no one, like, why was that not over, like, film Twitter? Yeah. Oh, well. Oh. There we go. But, like, obviously, thankfully, like, we didn't do, like, a whole, eh, uh, like, the Raspberry Hill we've done in the last time, remember the fucking... Oh, where we had to that, review the films? Yeah. Because I'm trying to... Yeah, I probably wouldn't want to watch that three, six, five days. I think it's only for about three hours. Hmm. Jesus. So, yeah. Now, there's always room for next year. Yeah, what? I wonder if we'll see um, No Time to Die on that or something. Yeah. It'll, it'll be Halloween nominated. Too. It'll be nominated because it's just it's just been released that's why aye aye that's it right um, so let's put a cap on it um, we've got nothing planned for uh, episode 261 I think we'll, we've earned ourselves a little break from concluding our 1996 season uh, especially that spectacular episode on Scream and uh, obviously, our Oscars recap. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host this evening. I am Stuart Sutherland. Oh, joining. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold breaking on. news! What? Surely, by the next time we record, yeah, should be back open by then. Oh, yeah. Fuck yes, they will. Should be. So, but what's to see in the cinema at that point? I'm trying to think. What is that? I mean, we'll. The first blockbuster has to be Thingly, a Black Widow. All right, well, that's, that's July, so that's. I thought you were going to say Army of the Dead. I thought that's Netflix. But... Yeah. Um... Will they show Kong versus Godzilla? Probably will, because you know. Maybe. Funny. I'm not sure if it's too late or. But, yeah, I mean, it's about time we get to see Peter Rabbit, too. Ah, that's fine. You can take the voice. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, um, cool <laughs> So, aye. That's it, because we're, we've went to that tier now where, okay, we're recording this on the 27th of April, so this is, like, the day after pubs have reopened. I've already bought like fucking six DVDs out of a charity shop. Like things are slowly getting back to normal. But... I fucking I got a I got the indicator copy Gasper Nose Irreversible yesterday. Ooh. And it's only it's only my third title that I've actually bought this month. Like I only bought three films this month and the other ones were at the very start of the month. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. to visit like, I've gotten too way much. up the road, way up the road next weekend, up in Vanessa, so I'm hoping. Hoping to see yes or the HIV and all that. Aye. No, definitely. They'll be sitting blowing the, the fucking dust off of their stock. Things are getting back to normal. But yeah, I think cinemas are still a little later, aren't they? Yeah. 
So middle I think of May, middle of May, aye, so yeah, there will be a welcome return. So aye, by the time people listen to this, there's a good chance that the the cinema doors might be open, and we'll all be welcome back to the smell of stale popcorn. Hopefully, your uh, local will update the poster for no time to die. <laughs> They're just they've just got a sharpie pen. They just write in the new date, score out the old one. Yeah. And if it ends up just going to Netflix, they'll burn the poster. It's going to end up looking like a ransom note at the end of it. All the time it gets cut out and fucking (laughs) new numbers, letters are put in place. Aye. But fuck. Anyway, that's it. I've been your host, Stuart Allen, and join me across the internet, Magic Mike Christie. Yep. Bugger off and tune in next time. Right, I'm just going to quickly go and grab a drink. Aye, me too. I'm going to stop that recording.